for listening. Welcome to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. David, it's great to be with you again today. Thanks for inviting us once again to the most listened to immigration podcast known universe, as far as we can tell, in the known universe that we can tell. I don't know. Uh, today we have a very special guest with us today. We have Marisol Estrada. Marisol, how are you today? Good morning. I am okay. Okay. It's 10 o'clock in the morning on Tuesday. So what happens in an hour? Right. So in an hour, Jeff Sessions is supposed to make an announcement on um, the program Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, and uh, he has announced that he will not be taking questions after. That's a little weird, isn't it? So he's going to announce something like a studio broadcast announcer and then walk away from the microphone. But Mr. Sessions, but Mr. Sessions. Yeah. And he'll just turn his back and walk away, which is I think he's well-practiced that, by the way, uh, since he never really answers questions about this stuff. Why do you think it's Jeff Sessions? You know, it, it, this interesting part about DACA. DACA is a creation not of the president, necessarily. It came out of DHS, Department right. of Homeland Security. Now, we all know that there is no DHS secretary right now. There's an acting secretary who is a former Obama-slash-Bush official. She's a lifelong career DHS employee, as long as DHS has been around, I guess. Um but she's not making the decision. She's not making the announcement. It's coming out of the Department of Justice. What do you think about that? It's weird. To me, I I know that Jeff Sessions is not a fan of DACA. <laughs> so Mary Sill, you are way too kind. You are way too kind. I, I, it's scary that he's making the announcement because it makes me think that the program is going to end coming from him. Okay. But because he hates the program. Right. Correct. So, so I don't know what to think about that. I guess we'll have to wait and see. Now, this is um, – we, we have heard lots of rumors. Now, what people don't know yet, Marisol, is that you have DACA. Right. I am a DACA recipient. Tell me about what DACA meant to you when it came out. Well, how did that impact you that day? I cried when it came out because it was such a relief for me to be able to come out of the shadows and to not be scared to – be able to obtain a driver's license and to be able to go to college and, you know, not be scared of deportation, not thinking that at any moment um, immigration officials can walk into my classroom and, you know, ask about my legal status and, and then I could be in deportation proceedings. So it, it really helped me come out of the shadows and just work towards a, a better future. How did How old were you when that came out? I was a senior in high school. I believe I was 18 when it came out. How far into 18 so were you? I... Were you beyond 18 and a half? It was announced before I was 18 and a half, okay. but I didn't apply until after yeah. I was 18 and a half. All right. So... Now, this is really interesting. Uh, uh, what's your history? When did you come to America? So, so it was announced it in 2012. Right. You're a senior in high school. Right. And, and uh, he announced it in June, so that would be right during the summertime. Correct. Before your senior year. Correct. Um, so you just finished your junior year. Mm -hmm. What were you doing that summer? That summer I was working – I was in the International Baccalaureate Program in high school. Okay. Um, For those of you who don't know, that's a big deal. <laughs> okay, for those of you who don't know. Yeah. And, you know, I was just working, trying to figure out what I was going to do. Where were you working? I was working at a restaurant. Of course was, you were. I was working at a restaurant as a Let server. Let me guess, a Mexican restaurant. A Mexican <laughs> restaurant <laughs> okay. as a server, yeah. trying to save up, making some way to survive. And, okay. you know, I supported my mom and my younger siblings. So um, that's what I was doing that summer is just working and, and getting ready for my IB exams. And, yeah. So what was life before What was life before DACA than after DACA? I mean, you talked about being able to get a job, being able to work. But what else did it do for you? Right. So just give me hope for the future. Doc is, is all about hope, isn't it's, it? It's a lot about hope. Um, and just very simple tasks in your everyday life. So just being able to drive to school and do extracurricular activities, I would never be able – I would always have to catch a ride with someone or catch some sort of public transportation, which isn't very easy to Where were you living maneuver. at the time? I was in Savannah, Georgia. <laughs> yeah, so <laughs> public transportation there isn't very friendly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it was about an hour-long wait time to get from uh, one bus to another and then 
trying to go to tutorials for my B exams and stuff like that. But, you know, after <laughs> DACA passed, I was able to obtain a driver's license and I could drive anywhere without fear. And that meant I could drive, you know, my mom and my siblings anywhere without fear of being pulled over and deported. So, so are you the oldest in your family? I am not the oldest. I have yeah. an older brother who's also a DACA recipient. Okay. And for him, it actually meant a lot more. How did it mean more for him? Because it gave him it gave him more hope than it gave me. He dropped out of middle school in eighth grade mm-hmm. because he didn't see a future. Because he didn't have a pathway to citizenship. And he thought, wow, I'm wasting my time going to school right now. But with DACA, you know, there's that education requirement. And so mm-hmm. it pushed him to go get his GED. He then graduated with his GED and is now in technical school um, studying a trade. Awesome. What's he studying? Yeah. Um, collision repair. Sweet. Yeah. Sweet. Well, people will always be bad drivers. That's nothing's <laughs> gonna be that. That's awesome. That's an awesome. Yeah. So what about younger siblings? So my younger siblings, they were all born in the U.S. So you come from a mixed status, what they call a mixed status family. I come from a mixed status family, but I always remind my siblings of what it means to me uh, to be a DACA recipient. And, you know, now that we've had texting Congress and calling Congress. They've been helping me with that. So I have my younger siblings calling congressmen and and advocating for, for me and other DACA recipients. It's been a great um, a great opportunity to teach them about civic engagement. Well, tell me about your history. How, when did you come to the United States? I came to the U.S. when I was five. Um, grew up in Savannah, Georgia. Went K through 12 there, graduated, went to college in Savannah, Georgia. Where did you go to college at? Armstrong State Armstrong University. State. Awesome. And I graduated in December 2016, and now I'm I'm working at a really great job, and I Is love it. Is it a good it. job? It's a great job. Sweet. <laughs> I, uh, that's awesome. Before you worked at this really great job, where were you working? What were you doing? Because um, you actually were very involved politically here in Georgia. Right. I worked at the state capitol during legislative session, and then I also worked for um, a congressional campaign uh-huh. during a special election. So, um, you know, without DACA, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to do either of those. What was it like being at the state capitol during this last legislative session? I have to I have to ask, because we do occasionally talk about state politics here, don't we, David? It was eye-opening. It was very interesting, you know, learning the ins and outs of how um, legislation gets passed and who touches it and what kind of things they try to add on to it. And it's all a game. Was there any immigration stuff passed that came about this le- this last uh, last session? Correct? Yeah, there was a lot going on. There was one bill in particular that would have affected me, um, a driver's license bill that's always, I feel like it's always presented during session. Right. They try to either take our driver's licenses away. Which or, they can't do, but they or, know that. Right. And they or what do they want to do to them? Or they put some sort of marking on it. Um, like this year it was a non-citizen in big red right. bold letters that would have just been a waste of money because we would have had to turn in our driver's licenses, get new licenses, and it was a waste of money, and thankfully that didn't pass. But there was another bill um, that would have created a GBI registry for people that were non-citizens, anybody that has been arrested. So stuff like that is what I was able to see and and see the faces of the people that were presenting this legislation. Would they ever look at you in the eye? You know, they didn't. I would show up to these committee meetings, mm-hmm. and I would I would love to show up to the last-minute committee meetings because, you know, they... That's they, when they drop, this stuff, they, they drop right. the crazy stuff during the last minute when nobody's paying attention. Either right? at 8 a.m. Yeah. or at 6.30 p.m. is when they have those types of meetings, and mm-hmm. you just show up, and you're sitting there, and, you know, you, you try to look them in the eye and ask them, you know, why you're doing this and what kind of sense it makes to do it, and they just go on a rant about... Um, they will go on some type of rant about public safety and national security. But they won't look you in the eye, will they? they won't look you in the eye. Yeah, that, that, that's, that's a mark of cowardice, uh, which is an example of Donald Trump because he won't look you in the eye today and tell you he wants to take away your hope. Right. wants to take away your dreams. So he was supposed to make the announcement today, mm-hmm. and turns out he's not making He's not going to get an announcement. He did tweet this morning, though. He tweeted that he's he d- putting Americans first. Yeah, from, in front of what? I mean, and how are right. DACA kids not Americans? Exactly. Uh, does that mean your siblings come first? Is that how that works? If they come first, 
you want to keep a family together, right? Right. I mean, Donald Trump has no idea what he's talking about. He also kind of kicked can down the road and said, oh, Congress, you need to deal with DACA. Um, and, you know, in, in some ways, DACA came about in 2012. And I don't know if you were politically active in high school or not. Uh, but DACA came about because Dreamers mm-hmm. were right. shutting down <laughs> Obama's campaign offices. Right. Let's be clear. Obama didn't do this because he is a man of great integrity or an, an amazing love for, for DACA kids. Right. That is clearly not the case. Otherwise, he would have done it in 2009, and he wouldn't have had Rahm Emanuel cancel immigration reform for four years. Uh, so let's be clear about what how this happened because Dreamers forced his hand on this. Um and I, I think I was talking to a reporter today. I think this is a, a wildly bad strategic mistake for Trump to make because he is unleashing the forces of 800,000 kids, very angry kids, um, with who had a lot of hope, their siblings, their parents, their U.S. citizen friends, and the friends of their, their parents of their friends. This is something that's going to be a, a big problem for Trump. Uh, come in 2018 and 2020 politically, don't you think? Right. Yeah. There's it's, a lot of us that are out of the shadows, a lot more now than there were in 2010. You know, you see a, there was a big march yesterday. Tell us about this march right. in Atlanta. Right, so um, we organized this march. When I say we, it was um, Georgia Undocumented Youth Alliance. Guia. Guia. I love Guia. They're awesome. And, you know, we organized it in less than a week, and we just said we're going to use this rally in March to amplify the voices of the people that are being affected and give our allies and supporters, you know, a way to act and and uh, as a way to mobilize. So we organized it on Friday, and we had the march yesterday. And it was on Labor Day here in Atlanta when everything's no, there's nothing going on downtown in Atlanta. It was on Labor Day, and... Over 700 people showed up. That's remarkable. Two days' notice, essentially, over a holiday weekend. I know I was out of town. Yeah. But you had a, an amazing turnout. You gave a great speech, by the way. Thank you. I can I can yeah. watch this stuff on the Internet. It's, it's, <laughs> it's really amazing. And I'm so proud of you. And, and those that I know that are involved in this, uh, Rigo and Josephat and Raymond, I mean, mm-hmm. this, uh, Guya has done remarkable work for the youth here. You're actively involved, of course, in the DACA in, uh, in-state tuition lawsuit, yeah. which this, by the way, Trump's actions does not moot. It does not make go away. Um, we're going to talk a little bit more about what we think Trump may do here in a second, but uh, another one of our work colleagues, Raymond Portolan, also spoke about this, and he actually posted... Uh, a quote uh, from uh, the Daily Beast apparently talked to him and said this, for Raymond Portolan, DACA was a chance to emerge from the shadows in which he had lived since his parents informed him at age 10 that he was in the U.S. illegally. Now, Raymond came when he was one or two, I think. He was a lot younger than I, mean, he, I think he was either he one was or two. And he actually came to the United States on a work visa. He actually came on a work visa. Uh, his dad was a physical therapist. Uh, and... Uh, because of a law change in 1996, uh, his dad, uh, you don't know this, David, David may know this, but physical therapists are what we call a shortage occupation in America. Basically, if you're a, if you're a physical therapist, you can get a green card like that. Um, but in 1996, Bill Clinton signed a law that made one essential change to the program for those green cards and that you had to pass something called a visa screen. This was a basically an English language that you had to take your tests in English. Uh, for the work that you did, a physical therapist or nurses, and his dad couldn't pass the test. He kept failing it by a couple points, mm. and they lost their green card. He literally had green cards pending, and they lost their green card because of that. Uh, and that's when Raymond went out of status. It wasn't that they came illegally. It was right. just that, oh, my gosh, my life is here. And in the meantime, he had a sibling that was born here. Raymond went on to become uh, student body president at Mercer University, went to Mercer on a full scholarship, uh, yeah. b- like you, a brilliant young man. Uh, and now also a terrific paralegal uh, and, and helping people every day uh, live their dreams. And one day his, like yours, I think, and, and I know, will come true. Uh, we get, Dave, we're going to take a break here uh, on America's Web Radio. This is our first break uh, on the Immigration Hour. I'll be back in a minute. Si usted ha casado con un ciudadano o tiene problemas con inmigración o tiene una oferta de trabajo, llama a los abogados de Cook Immigration Partners. Somos en su lado. Con más de 100 años de experiencia en la ley de inmigración, conocemos la ley y sabemos cómo ayudarle. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611, a las 404-816-8611, o visítenos al www.immigration.net. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. 
Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Awesome, kids. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. You, you don't know this, but we're actually hiring a DACA kid today at our office. Um, a young man uh, named Camille uh, just got back from his LDS mission for two years, and he'll be working with us until January. He expires in December. Okay. So uh, let's take a look at what the most recent news is. Now, we all hate speculation, right? Right. But speculation fuels yeah. the news cycle. and it uh, uh, And it became clear over the weekend that Trump really didn't know what he was going to do. Uh, I have a, a, a very close friend uh, who has let me know this morning that uh, Secretary Kelly uh, has let Trump know that he cannot veto any DREAM Act that comes down. But really gets to the key point here. Uh, Obama was forced to create DACA. Uh, then he was forced to create DACA. <laughs> and right after he created DACA, I wrote a blog. Dave and I have talked about this blog all the time. Uh, and the blog was really simple. President Obama, for DACA... You went through the rulemaking process to, to certify that C-33 code on your work card. Right. DACA was created as a, as, a, as a valid basis for a work permit. He never did it for DAPA. He just never did it. And I, my blog was about, why, don't you, why aren't you doing this? Why is this appearing in the Federal Register? Mm-hmm. This is simple to do. You can do an emergency rule. It can be done in six months. Nothing. They never did it. And, th- and they ended up losing DAPA. Why? Court. Because they didn't go through the rulemaking process. DACA, however, went through the rulemaking process. So this, uh, this fiction that these nine attorney generals, somebody said right. nine governors. No, it's nine <coughs> attorney generals and one governor. Uh, and I think it's eight now, right? Because the Tennessee attorney general right. said, you know what? I'm not going to do away with this program. This is a good program. Um, and you notice our attorney general has not joined that either because he, he understands that right. it's a good program. And, and I think our governor understands the program as well. Um, they don't have a legal basis to win their case. Now, they might go in front of crazy Judge Hennon, uh, but they're not going to get David's best friend, Judge Smith, again in the Fifth Circuit. By the way, David does, in fact, knew Judge Smith uh, in Texas a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away. Um, not going to get that same panel in the Fifth Circuit. Uh, so you're not going to lose in the Fifth Circuit again. Um, and even Hannon is going to be troubled by the fact, well, he did go through the APA process. So I, I think the lawsuit is garbage. Mm-hmm. In fact, uh, me and 104 other law professors around the country sent a letter to Trump and said, you have a validly here, here – here's your legal basis for DACA. It's all right here. You don't need to end DACA. And I, I think there's been these competing forces in the White House. You have Trump, who is I- enamored with and supported by white nationalists who hate all immigrants. Let's, let's, let's be clear. I mean, right. white, blue, purple, green, black, they, they don't really care. They hate all immigrants. Um, because America was founded, is all made up of white people, apparently. <laughs> uh, forget the Native Americans who were here before us. Right. Um, and so he, he kowtows to them, but he also knows he's got this pressure on the other side from businesses. Mm-hmm. Over 400 CEOs of major corporations right. came to him and said, what the flip are you doing? Mm-hmm. You've got to keep DACA. Apple CEO, had a, apparently they have 250 DACA Recipients working at Apple, which is yeah. really remarkable. You know how hard it is to get a job at Apple? Yeah. I mean, that, you're talking about some seriously super high qualified people that are working there. It's almost as hard as getting a job at my firm. I mean, it's, it's tough. Um, and so you've got that countervailing pressure. And then within the White House, you've got Stephen Miller, mm-hmm. who is, you know, the white nationalist wet dream. I mean, he's, 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 the, he's the guy there. He's the mouthpiece now that Bannon's gone. Uh, and he wrote Trump's inauguration speech. He's, he, you know, he reminds me of, you probably don't know who Roy Cohen is, but uh, David knows who Roy Cohen is. He reminds me and looks a great deal like Roy Cohen. Roy Cohen was very heavily involved in the McCarthy witch hunts back in the 1950s. Okay. And he became a mentor to Trump, believe it or not. In the 70s, 60s and 70s in New York, mm-hmm. Trump would go to him. And they would hang out together until Cohen died of cancer. And tr- that's where Trump, Trump learned never ever apologize for anything. Just fight, fight, fight. He got that from Roy Cohn. Miller is a great deal like Roy Cohn, although he's only about six years older than you. He's only 31 years old. Uh, never held a real job before other than, other than working in the way. Super unqualified for the job. 
He's telling Trump to get rid of it. Kelly, who is the gatekeeper, is keeping Miller away, we understand, from talking to Trump directly. But Kelly himself has no idea how the program works. I don't think really understands you know, the, the amazing changes that have occurred in people's lives because of DACA. Um, and so he's hearing from them. Then he hears from politicians like Paul Ryan, uh, who he doesn't like, Lindsey Graham, who he doesn't like. But then he heard from the congressman yesterday, from uh, uh, senator from uh, uh, Oklahoma, staunch, super conservative guy who said, we don't punish the kids for the sins of the parents. Keep DACA. Uh, that's, that sends a very strong message to the White House. And so I think even as of yesterday, they're literally tinkering with this. Initially, we heard DACA is over. I never thought that was actually going to happen because the reality is even if DACA ended, you can't take people's work cards away. You can't mm-hmm. do that. Uh, you, have to, you have to actually send everybody an individual notice of intent to revoke. And they're not going to do that. For, I mean, just think of the postage for that, let alone the process. is millions of dollars. So that doesn't make any sense. So what made sense coming out of them, and we knew they weren't going to continue the program indefinitely because mm-hmm. then he can't go to the base and say, hey, I continued indefinitely. This is, this is um, more in the ways of kind of an an- announcement of an announcement, kind of like we did with Haiti. Uh, so we thought maybe what they'll do is say they're going to end the program, but we're going to give Congress a chance to do something on this. Not that Congress hasn't had since about okay. 2003 to deal with this issue. I remember meeting my first dreamers uh, back when you were in grade school, back in about 2003. I was in a hotel in Washington, D.C., um, and we were there for an ALA meeting. Mm-hmm. And this group of undocumented kids from, from D.C. area were meeting there and from New York and the Northeast. And they were talking about this thing called the DREAM Act right. uh, that Senator Hatch had come up with and had worked on from Utah. And uh, they talked about, you know, and we thought, initially we thought, well, never going to be able to get this to pass. I mean, we was in the mid- this is right after 9-11. It was just it was a nightmare mm-hmm. time in, in Congress to talk about immigration reform. And they were undaunted. And they kept at it for the next right. eight years until they pounded Obama into submission. And the DREAM Act has, co- has come back every session. It comes back to Congress in various forms. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've got this announcement that was going to come today. The most recent information we have is within the last hour. comes from ABC. And ABC said that what what Sessions is going to announce is they will accept no new DACA applications for new registrations. Now, okay, who does that shut out? That shuts out half the eligible people. When Obama announced DACA, do you remember how many people he said qualified for DACA? That was the estimate was? I don't remember the number. It's 1.8 million. He said 1.8 million they estimated qualified. Only about a little less than a million, maybe a little bit over a million applied. So less than 800, I mean, about 55% applied. So that means 45%, 50% of the kids who are eligible never even bothered to apply. Now, we know they didn't apply for various reasons. One, money. Mm -hmm. They couldn't afford it. Yeah, it's an expensive process. Two, uh, they didn't didn't have the education requirements and couldn't meet the education. I don't know. The reality is a lot of them didn't understand the process, like your brother, right. he knew because he had to go back and get a GED. Yeah. Well, pe- I hear all the time from people, "Why well, didn't go to school? I, I, I left school." That doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. You can enroll in a GED program. Right. Oh, really? I didn't know that. And that's this is five years on, so there's lack of information. Right. And third, and, and and I think the biggest killer was proof. Some people, especially those that came at 13, 14, 15, who never went to school, literally didn't have very much in the way of proof. And here's the sad part. I met with a woman last week who came to me. Who'd been den- her son had been denied twice for DACA. He's now like 20, 22. No, no, he's like 25. And he came at uh, in 2007. They came to the U.S. in May of 2007, and he was like six or seven years old. And he got denied twice for lack of proof. And I said, do you have any, any pictures? And she pulls out this picture. Mm-hmm. And I said, what's this a picture of? Well, this is a picture of my youngest son's birthday. Uh, his birthday's in, like, early June. Uh, uh, and well, where, and unfortunately, it's a room. It's like room like we're in now uh-huh. that has shades on the wall. So you literally, it's just like any room in the world, right? You turn the picture over, the physical picture, and these old pictures, when they processed them, they had dates on them. It was processed June 15th, 2007. Wow. That's the day it was processed. So now you have to take this picture and go, where was this picture taken? 
See, now that you have a physical piece of evidence of something that was physically done in the United States, now you go get affidavit and say, this picture, here's a picture of that room today. Here's where that room is. Here's the affidavit of, of the five people who are at this birthday party that puts your son, had every other proof. Mm-hmm. Put, he, went, he started school in September, but he didn't have anything to show he was here. Before September. And that was on Friday, Thursday when I met with her. And now he doesn't get to apply. If this is the case, if they say no new applications. Now, that's the first thing they're saying. They're saying anybody who has currently has DACA, if you are expiring before May was it 8th or 18th of 2018, you can apply for a renewal, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, and you'll be renewed for two years. And anybody that's currently pending will be renewed for two years. But if you're expiring after that date, and that date appears to be chosen at random, you have nothing. You can't renew DACA. So anybody who's on DACA right now, you're going to be okay at least through May 8th if you've got DACA that expires May 9th. And there are people that clearly expire the day after. We, we know that's clear. Yeah. Um, uh, you currently have DACA pending, your extension. My renewal is pending. Yours yeah. pending. So you, under, these, under what we're told, uh, you would be able to renew that for a couple more years. But what most people don't know, and I hear this all the time, why don't all these DACA kids just get a green card? Marisol, <laughs> why don't you just get a green card? Because we can't. What do you mean you can't? You're, can't you go to the post office and get a green card? No. Is that how it works? No, no. The immigration system is a dark labyrinth of policies that only lawyers will ever understand. And Some lawyers. <laughs> most, most lawyers. <laughs> so... You know, people ask this question all the time, but the reality is the majority of DACA recipients have gone to immigration attorneys in order to apply for their DACA. And, you know, the expectation is that an immigration attorney would look at any other um, pathway to residency for for that person. And if DACA is your only option, DACA is your only option. That's what you're going to apply for and that's what you're going to have. You know, anybody that says immigrants should just look for a pathway to citizenship should look at what pathways to citizenship there are the reality is there's not for me right now Mm -hmm. so my only the only thing i can rely on right now is daca there's just nothing else nothing else nothing else so hopefully congress will act well this is the power of the dream act now right now there are three different bills in congress right right? in the senate we have the dream act Mm -hmm. co-sponsored by durbin and, and graham by the way graham came out and said you can end daca but not until we pass the DREAM Act. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't end DACA until we pass the DREAM Act. Um, McConnell has expressed a willingness to consider this. But Tom Cotton, on the other hand, who is the mouthpiece for the anti-immigration movement, and he took over uh, Sessions' uh, space as the, as the spokesperson for FAIR, Numbers USA, and all the, all the know-nothings that are currently in Congress. He says, okay, I'll vote for the DREAM Act, but you have to give me the wall you have to cut legal immigration by 50% going forward, and the 10 million people on the line, they're gone. It's so unrealistic. No, honestly, nobody goes for that. That's not a yeah. – It's not a, they're, they think they're negotiating from a position of strength, yeah. and they're not because those that be with us are more than they would be with them. Let's take a break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, el jefe del grupo de abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Estoy en su lado. Con más de 20 años de experiencia con la ley de inmigración, conozco cómo ayudarle. Sé la ley y sé que alguna gente podemos ayudar. Llámanos hoy a las 404-816-8611. A las 404-816-8611. O visítenos en el internet. www.immigration.net Whether cruising the strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business, or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. 
It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. We're talking today about DACA, about uh, Donald Trump, about Jeff Sessions, and about what DACA actually means to people. Uh, we were talking just now about the DREAM Act, uh, which is in the Senate. Now, there are two bills in the House. Do you know what those two bills are? The RAC Act. The RAC Act. Do you know what the RAC Act stands for? I know. I knew before we came on. But it, the RAC Act. I, I, that's kind of a stupid name, the RAC Act. Put them on the rack. We will get a confession out of them now. Uh, the RAC Act. And what's the other act that's pending? The Bridge Act. The Bridge Act, which actually sounds like a much better bill. Yeah. Uh, both of those the both bills are similar. Do you know the differences between them? This is not a test or anything, but do you know the difference between the RAC and the Bridge Act? Um, no. Okay. Uh, one is a kind of more conservative bent than mm-hmm. the other. Uh, one extends out a period of uh, work permits and renewals much further than the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, the, the best would be the DREAM Act coming out of the Senate uh, because the DREAM Act basically accords individuals like you that, are, that were DACA eligible as well as others. But all three of these bills are broader than DACA. Remember, DACA is limited to people who came in 07. Right. There are, people really didn't stop coming to America in droves until about 2009, 2000, late 2008, early 2009. Mm-hmm. So there's a whole group of kids that were brought here that aren't even eligible. I, I had a woman came in from church to see me, and she brought her 15-year-old daughter, and they were so excited to apply for DACA. And I said, Hermana, when did you come to America? She said, oh, we came in 2009. Said, I'm really sorry, but your daughter can't apply for DACA. What? It came too late. Her daughter, you just see her face. It was just this I crushed. Just depressed just, at that point. Can you, you imagine? Know, what, I mean, no. the, the girl's now, you know, she's 15 years old. She's had a quinceanera. Mm. No, I'm sorry, you can't apply. She would be eligible under the Dream Act, however. The Dream Act, I think, dates it from 2013 or something like that. Um, but the DREAM Act also has higher standards for school. Mm-hmm. You actually have to pass the GED, not right. just be enrolled in classes for a GED. I mean, right. the DACA was a very liberal context for that. And really, a lot of people didn't renew their DACA because, because they didn't finish their GED. Not really. That wasn't a requirement. Right. And so there are probably 100,000 people who could renew DACA today who didn't. Because they didn't think that they could. You know, that wasn't a requirement for DACA. It's, again, misinformation in the community that was just damaging to people. And that's, I think, part of the fight that we fight as lawyers is getting the right information out to people rather than what, you know, know, Santissima Tia Irma said about something Mm -hmm. that completely has no basis in reality or what you hear from notarios or or crummy lawyers on, on the radio. You know, making good decisions requires you to have good information. You cannot make good decisions without good information. Right. Um, so these three bills that are currently pending out there, uh, I, talking to friends involved in the legislative process, having been ALA president, I know lots of people on the Hill, they're putting the odds that any of these bills pass to get about 30% in the next six months. Um, you know, I, I, part of what Trump is doing in some ways is good mm-hmm. because DAC is not a solution. It's, not. it's obviously not a solution. I mean, it's, it's very a, temporary. It's a, it's a permanent limbo. Um, you know, and, and part of it is, hey, I'm going to take DACA away to make Congress fix it. Okay, I understand that. But you don't have to take DACA away to do that. Right. I mean, this, this is part of, I mean, being a little bit, um, uh, how would you put it, narcissistic, is I have the great power. I am the guy on the great Oz. I'm going to take uh, DACA away, and that will force Congress to do something. He grossly underestimates Congress's incompetence and inability to get work done. Uh, and what I think, and another thing that I've talked about, do you think he wants to tie this to the wall? Oh, yeah. He thinks he's going to trade the oh, Dream yeah. Act for the wall. <laughs> and that's what, that's what was important when I learned about Kelly talking to, uh, to Trump. Hey, if, if Dream is a standalone act, so let it be. It should not be tied to the wall. Mm-hmm. You know, the wall itself is just, I mean, I, I'm a president because it's just a stupid idea. It just, it just sends the wrong message, and we don't right. need it. And it doesn't stop... It doesn't stop people from falling out of status. No, in the US. nor does it stop people from coming in. Right. Um, nor does it stop drugs. Uh, I, I at my law school class at Emory last week, I showed a video. They had discovered these um, uh, tubes in a field in South Texas. 
I don't know if you've seen this video or not. No, I haven't. Each of these tubes weighs about 85 pounds. They discovered like 100 of them in this field. Somebody was using a cannon to shoot them over the border fence that's there. And it's going to come and pick up these 85-pound tubes full of marijuana. Wow. Now, why you're importing marijuana to America, I don't really quite understand at this point because you seem to be able to get it from everywhere for free, for easily and cheaply here. But they were shooting drugs across the border in a cannon. How's, how high does your wall have to be <laughs> at that point? It's going to be 10 yeah. feet higher now. Um, so this idea, I think he wants to, wants to tie this, and it's clear from Cotton's own words that the anti-immigration groups want to tie enforcement to a benefit to children. Right. You know, and that's, that's just wrong. It's just wrong. That, 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 but that's how Congress works. Much like it's clear they should pass a very clean debt ceiling bill, but you can't get a debt ceiling bill through the House unless Paul Ryan says, you know what? Everybody's voting. I don't care how many Republicans vote on it. We're going to pass this debt ceiling bill. And if he's got a little bit of courage, I mean, a lot of these guys, if they had any backbone at all, they would put their speakership, their leadership on the line every single day, just like real business people do. I mean, David owns a radio station that he puts me on the air on. That takes real leadership, considering who listens (laughs) to his radio shows. I mean, it does. It takes guts. Leadership requires you to take risks. Paul Ryan takes no risks. Mitch McConnell takes well. They took a risk when they went for health care, right? They thought they had, they had McCain's vote, and they didn't. Yeah, they took that risk, and they, I guess they got burned. But they're not going to get burned on putting a DACA bill up. There's no way the No Nothings have 40 votes. They don't have 40 votes to stop the Dream Act. They don't. They can't filibuster it. So you put the Dream Act on the floor today, it passes. Period. End of story. Uh, by probably with 70 votes at least. Uh, you put the DREAM Act on the floor of the House, and it definitely passes with the majority. Definitely. There are 50 Republicans who vote for that tomorrow because they understand what demographics look like going forward, and especially in their districts. I mean, yeah. like 20 of them are in districts that they should not have won, that they won because of Trump or got carried because of Trump, that they're not going to win in 2018. So I, I think Republicans, if they were smart, would say, we're going to move this forward. Whether you like it or not, a majority of our party – needs this. The minority doesn't want it, doesn't need it, but a majority needs it. So if the GOP was smart, they would pass the DREAM Act, and they would go around saying, hey, look at Democrats didn't do it. Look at us. Hey, hey, we're we're walking the walk. You know, we're past the DREAM Act. Um, But I don't think they're going to do that because that takes political courage, and these guys don't have political courage. They just don't. You know, they they walk around like cowards in the night, much like Trump being a coward and... uh, Putting sessions out there. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's cowardly. That's cowardly. Trump should go to a press conference, uh, much like Obama has over and over again, mm-hmm. and take, take the heat. <laughs> take the heat, you know. Uh, sessions is so cowardly, he won't even take questions. Right. He won't take questions because he knows he cannot legally justify this. He knows he can't. To, to reporters know what's going on. Now, the problem mm-hmm. is a lot of reporters have a freaking idea about what's going on. All due respect to reporters out there. For example, this morning I was listening to a reporter on TV. What's going to happen to all these DACA kids in the military? Right. Nothing. (laughs) There There are none. All right. Alert to reporters. There are no DACA kids in the United States military. Because we can't. Because they can't enlist in the military. Because if you could enlist in the military, what would happen? You would. You would and... (laughs) You'd become citizens at the end of basic training. Yeah. There wouldn't be an, either way. There wouldn't be DACA kids in the military. If you could, they'd all be citizens, but they can't. Right. Um, there was a congressman who, really, a very nice congressman who, well known for talking about uh, Israel and Palestinians, uh, one of Dave's favorite congressmen here in Georgia, gave a very impassioned speech last week at a, at a news conference. Talking about all the DACA kids in the military, and it took every ounce that I had to. Congressman. There, there are none. So please, reporters, there are no DACA. If there are, please let me know. We'll get them citizenship. But there are no DACA kids in the United States military. I mean, I, ha- I can't tell you, money. so how many have come to see me? They want them. I mean, I want to go in the Marines. Mm-hmm. I want to go in the Army. I want to go in the Navy. Yeah. I'm sorry, young man, young woman. You can't. Yeah, I've spoken to recruiters before yeah. in high school. Yeah. And it's, it's they would love to have you. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Recruiters would love People with your brains? Oh, my gosh. They'd love to have you in the military. I'm glad you didn't because you can get to work with us, but uh, <laughs> it, 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 they would go in a heartbeat. 
And the idea that DACA kids are less patriotic or less willing to serve is a joke. As we learned, these two young DACA kids who were killed uh, over the weekend searching for yeah. survivors in Houston. I mean, yeah, apparently you can give your life searching for Americans, but you can't get a work card. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's really it's, it's, it's immoral at the end of the day to take DACA away without there being a viable substitute in place. Uh, what Trump should do is say DACA will continue until the Congress passes the DREAM Act. And then I'll end. I mean, the day you sign it, I'll, I'll, end, I'll end DACA because we won't need it at that point. Right. Uh, DACA was always intended, one, by, by Obama to s- let him run his campaign. Uh, there's no doubt he, had a, he wanted to do something. Part of Obama's problem was he thought he was smarter than everybody else. And so he thought he had the legal stuff figured out, and, and he couldn't do it. And it's, he, kept, well, he kept going on the air, I can't do it. I, can't, I have no authority to do this. And they shoved that back in his face all the time. But he was simply uninformed. Just because you're a constitutional law professor, David, don't, don't laugh, okay, don't laugh. Just because you're a con law professor knows that you under, means you understand immigration law because you don't understand immigration law. Right. Um, and so when, you know, when, when those of us can let's no, President, you have the authority to do this. Here's, here's the statute. Here's the regulation. Here's the policy. Here's the rule. Do it. Bam. Make it happen. You could do a lot more, too, but he wasn't willing to go, to go that far. Um, and the reality is Trump can keep DACA for that reason, but he won't because he also doesn't understand it, uh, the immigration laws. Uh, nor does he understand any laws. <laughs> he certainly doesn't understand the Constitution. Um, but there was a, an interesting article in the Daily Beast that came out today that Raymond, uh, mm-hmm. who, who works for us, um, uh, talked in there. It's that um, what, will ha- what would happen to DACA kids should DACA end and there's no DREAM Act? Let's, let's talk about the worst-case scenario, Mr. I don't mean to give you anxiety, <laughs> but what would be the worst-case scenario, all right? So he comes out in two years. You can extend yours. You're good till November 2019. By November 20, there's still no dollar. There's still no Dream Act. Now I think that's an impossibility. I do, because uh, the election in 2018, if there is no Dream Act by then, will be a major focal point of the election. Right. It, it will be because you will make it sure it is. We will. You will be at every Senate campaign rally. You will be at every House campaign rally. Mm-hmm. You know, I keep asking my uh, mine and David's representative. I keep tweeting her. Yeah. Karen, where are you? Has Karen, responded? hello. <laughs> Karen, do you have an opinion on this? Any opinion at all, Karen, would be, would be welcome. Do you support it? Do you not support it? Oh, Karen, do you go to church on Sunday? Uh, I don't know. They talk about the Bible at your church. I mean, <laughs> what about the sins of the parents? You, anything with that? You hear about anything about that? Where are you, Karen? I, I want somebody at every event she is at to raise their hand respectively and say, Karen, what's your position on the DACA kids? What's your position on the DREAM Act? Where are you? Yeah. Where are you? Uh, I mean, every, a video camera should be everywhere she goes for the next year and two months, mm-hmm. regardless of who runs against her. I mean, I, I honestly hope it's not Ossoff. He's not going <laughs> to win in this district, clearly. But somebody will run against her, and they can beat her. Because she has no opinions about anything. Right. But anything. Our two senators, neither one are up for re-election this time, correct? I don't think either one are up for re-election. Uh, I don't think... Purdue, Purdue's not up. He's up in 2020, right? Yeah, he's got delusions of grandeur being president in 2020. Um, so they're not running. So we, we only have one race here. And, of course, there's the race in Gwinnett County, which is going to be a super big deal. Yeah. Uh, Gwinnett is now majority-minority. And yet they've got a conservative Republican there as their congressman. Mm-hmm. People need to be on his case about I haven't heard right. from any of our congressmen, our Republican congressmen. Have you? Yeah, they've met with him. Um, but I know they met with him, but he hasn't come he out hasn't now come and said anything. Let's take our last break here on the Immigration Hour on America's Web Radio. Soy Charles Cook, abogado y jefe del Grupo de Abogados Cook Immigration Partners. Llámenos hoy si usted tiene problemas con inmigración, si ha sido arrestado, si se casó con un ciudadano o tiene una oferta de trabajo. Nosotros le podemos ayudar. También podemos explicar con qué puedes hacer para recibir los beneficios de inmigración. Llámenos hoy a las 404-816-8611, 404-816-8611, o visítenos por el internet al www.immigration.net. This is Lawyer Liz. Join me each week as we discuss drones, the Internet of Things, and all the technology in between. It's Buzz Off with Lawyer Liz, Wednesdays at 2. 
whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to the final segment here on today's DACA special uh, on uh, with Marisol Estrada, one of our DACA recipients here in Georgia. We're going to be a little short segment here, David, because we're going to run and go listen to uh, 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 the announcement. Uh, uh, Mr. Sessions uh, right. talk about this. Let's talk about the worst-case scenario. No, we want to be at the office. We've got a, we got a big deal at the office. Um, Let's uh, worst case scenario. We hear a lot about a lot of questions. I get. Am I going to be deported tomorrow? The answer to that question is what, Marisol? No, no, you're not going to be deported tomorrow. Um, and I said this from the beginning, back when DACA started, because we have a concern. Of course, what if I come forward? Mm-hmm. I'm just giving my information to the government. Won't they have? Won't they come get me at the end? Yeah, I mean, they they technically would have your admission. They technically could do that, but why would they? Well. Well, I'm low-hanging fruit. True, you would be low-hanging fruit, and maybe you don't have any relief from removal. Okay, but what happens if ICE starts going around rounding up kids? I think people get very, very angry, yeah, very, very quickly. Uh, and uh, I think what happens then is you actually do have Congress move if they haven't moved by that point. So I think the chance, uh, short of you know, if you get picked up, for, if you're out of sta- out of status, you lose your DACA, you don't have a license, you keep driving. And you get picked up. Well, not, that's not going to stop them from doing something. They're going to they're going to detain you at that point, mm-hmm. put you in the system. But I don't think they're going to go actively look for people in this situation. I just don't see that happening. Um, but if you have a, an issue in your past, I mean, right. remember some DACA kids had issues in their past. Right. They've been. I mean, some had marijuana convictions. Before. You know, in some states that didn't consider that a convict a crime. Yeah, they could come for you. Um, and, and look at poor Jessica in our office. She she has nothing. I mean, she's clean in her background, and yet they've targeted her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, yeah, against some, they're going to do that. But against the vast majority, I don't think they're going to do that. But this, again, shows you why you, okay, you're, if you're out there, and I think, I think Docky gets made a wise choice. It was, it was a Sophie's choice. Do you, know, you probably don't know what a Sophie's choice is, do you? No. David, we're going to have to have a show about the 80s, okay? Uh, a Sophie's choice, Sophie's choice is a movie. From 1980, David, what do you think? 86, 88? It's a story of a woman named Sophie uh, who was in a uh, was taken to a concentration camp. The story is about this whole background. At the end, what you realize is she made a choice in a concentration camp of which of her kids would die. It's called Sophie's Choice. It's a terrible movie, but it's shockingly important today. What choice? You could stay undocumented mm-hmm. and have no hope or grasp this little bit of hope they offered you. It was Sophie's choice. I mean, you had, in many ways, you had no choice. You had to make the choice. Some did, some didn't. Most who could do it did it. I would say 98% of those who understood the program, could afford to do it, had the proof, you did it. Right. You didn't back off from doing it. Um, I do not believe that you will be punished for that choice. I'm not gonna, I don't think God's going to let that happen. And I don't think Americans are going to let that happen. Uh, regardless of political party, I do not see any sort of mass roundup or mass tallying or mass gathering of DACA kids by ICE. It's just not going to happen. What I, I wouldn't doubt that they try to scare people, but what choice do you have? Where are you going to go, Marisol? <laughs> I mean, you don't have a home. This is your home. This, right. is, this is all you know. You don't have a life in Mexico. You have no life in Mexico. No. Where are you from in Mexico? Jalisco. Jalisco. So there's nobody back there, right? No, I no. have no idea. It's literally, you've never been there since you were sick. You have no real recollection of the place. Mm-hmm. There's nothing. There's nothing there. Your family here, your life, your siblings, who are U.S. citizens, are here. Right. Um, and so I, I don't think, I, I really do not believe that this worst case scenario ever comes. But this, what this points out is it's out there as a possibility. If that's my worst case scenario, then I better do as a DACA recipient everything in my power to make sure that doesn't happen. That means I go to, the, I go to, the, I go to Washington, D.C. Right. 
-hmm. We do a march on Washington. Uh, We bring this issue. We literally do sit-ins in our congressional offices while we have DACA protecting us to make them do this. Right. I mean, that is the political force that we have. And unite with Republicans and Democrats, Mm -hmm. and there are Republicans who support us on this issue, and Democrats who support us on this issue and make this happen. And just literally, if this is in the news every single day, they're going to want this to go away. And if it's still in the news in September 2018 that they haven't acted on this, it becomes the most important issue in the midterm elections, period. It just becomes the most important issue. And I think we cannot rest until that happens. I agree. We're not going to rest until it happens. Goya's not going to let that happen, right? <laughs> We're not. Now, does Goya work with other state organizations uh, in other states? Are there other undocumented youth alliances in other states that you guys right. are affiliated with? Yeah, there are other state undocumented youth alliances around. Texas is a big one. Mm-hmm. California has undocumented youth alliances. Tennessee. So we're all working together. You know, in Georgia, we have 24,000 or so DACA recipients per the March memo. You know, As we talked earlier coming up, Trump administration hasn't released any DACA information since June, and that was the end of March numbers. Mm. The Obama administration used to release numbers every month on DACA. Why do you think we have not Five months. Why have we not seen it? One, we know these cases are taking a long time. How long has your DACA been pending, your extension? Mine's, it's only been a month. Been a month. Okay. So we've got others been pending for six, eight, ten months. Right. There are, we believe that there are 100, maybe 150,000 pending applications that have been pending for many months. Mm-hmm. And it's a growing backlog. And they're not actually working on these cases. Uh, or they're, they're reallocating resources to other areas and taking them away from DACA. We believe that's happening. And certainly the, the USCIS of Bunsman is not doing anything. She's a former fair executive director, for God's sakes. Mm-hmm. She cares squat about young immigrants. Uh, so we have to make our voices known. Uh, we have 24,000 DACA kids in Georgia. In Texas, do you know who you are in Texas? No, I don't know the number. There's almost 200,000 in Texas. So you take away those DACA kids' work permits in Texas, who's going to fix Houston? You know? What we don't realize, too, is a lot of times we think about DACA kids, they're going to work in construction, Mm -hmm. or they're going to work in in the the areas that are low-paying. That's not true. There are DACA kids that are medical doctors. There are kids that are lawyers, that are actual lawyers. There are kids in law school. DACA is hope. All right, we're going to end today early. We'll talk to you next week about the details of DACA. Also, go into our Facebook Live today on Cook Immigration Partners. We'll talk more about DACA and what it means about what Jeff Sessions says. Till next week, this is Chuck Cook and my host on Immigration Now on America's Web Radio. Cook Immigration Partners is your passport through the immigration maze. Whether it's help with e-verify in your business or help in how to document a new employee under the new I-9 rules, or if you marry a foreign national, Cook Immigration Partners is your best choice for a legal advocate. Call us today at 866-286-6200. That's 866-286-6200. Or visit us on the web at www.immigration.net.